All right. All right. We are back here with episode eight. Um, still not wearing any pants. Steven's still wearing khakis and being lame as usual. Um, today, obviously, if you can read the title, uh, we have Keith on here. Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself. Hi. <laughs> that was a great one. Nice and sweet. Present. Uh, I am present. Taking roll call here, Steven, Keith. All right. No. <laughs> yeah. Present. You are present um, for today. Yeah. I mean, he's here. I don't know if he, it's like I clock in at work. I don't know if I actually work at work, but um, Steven, what have you done in the last week? Uh, housework. I have not touched my off-road vehicle once. Um, I actually got in there and I got my flashlight out. That was about it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I still have to redo the, I have to fix my hood and attach it the way it's supposed to be attached rather than uh, ratchet strap. So, mm. yeah, I need to figure that out. And then I'm going to, next week, I'm going to be going to Akatia Wells again for Thanksgiving. But um, I need to figure my shit out. And I'm working this weekend on Saturday. So I don't know. I might just go hoodless next trip. Yeah, fuck it, right? Might as well. Don't need it. Race car stuff. Not like it really does anything. It's cooling. That's I'm all surpri- it is, really. I'm surprised you just That's haven't, cool. like, four hood pinned it to the... Uh, I honestly thought you know, about that, but then I thought how annoying that's going to be, so I'm not going to do that. Super annoying. Well, to put the hinges on the, uh, on the front? Race car stuff? You, you can. <laughs> yeah. No, Flip forward? <laughs> Okay. Be a Corvette, be like, check out my race car, bro. Well, that's fun. We went yeah. wheeling this weekend up at Walker Valley, and it was a fucking wet, soupy mess. But it was like it looked one of the like so much fun based on your Snapchats or not your Snapchats, but your Instagram stories and Instagram story. and stuff. Oh man, dude, it, it was like one of the best wheeling trips I've had in a while, and I don't know why, because like all the ones we've done this summer have been fun and everything. There was seven of us there, uh, or seven rigs. There's a ton of people there, but seven rigs. And it was all like, like we didn't take any bypasses all day. Like no one took any bypasses. Only that Tacoma had to take a bypass once. And -hmm. it was because he was on 33s and longer wheelbase. So he didn't have the breakover clearance to do that uh, Mm -hmm. one big ass fucking rock in the beginning. And that was it all day. yeah, it was a fucking blast. And then that uh, 80 series, that, well, I mean, what was left Whatever's of that left 80 of series. Yeah, did that no stand. That's called the V-notch. It's like a pretty well-known obstacle for that area. And mm-hmm. everyone goes up it and no one really goes down it. You can see why. And he was trying to go up it for, you know, a little while. And it was just so wet and dug out. He's like, there's no way I'm going to just come down it for fun. Uh and as soon as he came down it and turned left at the bottom, he should have went right. But as soon as he slid down and it stood up and luckily he was harnessed in, but he was only wearing his lap belt. Oh, uh, no. And I, cause he's like, yeah, he's like, and stands up and it stood on its nose so perfectly. And I thought it was going over and that would have. Yeah. It was like that rocking back and forth in the video. I was like, Oh, is it going to yeah. go one way or the other? And then it just kind of settled and stayed there. Yeah. Did he get out of it like that? We just, so when it stood up, he went to throttle out, like you would, natural reaction yeah. would do, like throttle out, get kicked down. But he had a problem when he was trying to go up the V-notch, 
uh the it would the trans would be in gear but it would slip and then it wouldn't have any then like then obviously not have any put any power to the wheels mm-hmm. so we put more atf in it um but like it didn't the fluid level didn't seem low it just like it was like starving the pump when it was you know at hard angles mm-hmm. for some reason uh and as soon as it stood up on end like that he had like he throttled it but it had no nothing it was just stayed up on what its fucking it? wheels so we we just threw a uh strap around the rear axle because like none of us really wanted to go underneath the truck obviously yeah <laughs> so we like th- threw it up around the rear axle and then three guys grabbed onto it and pulled it right back down onto its wheels and then it was all good did he stay in the vehicle the whole time or did he climb out yeah he he stayed in the whole time smart damn that's yeah, pretty and cool. then like <laughs> yeah 30 minutes and that video has gone everywhere now like it's on beat not or yeah beat not baby's beat not fucking baby. uh instagram yeah. and it's are on facebook and instagram and it's like three hundred thousand views now which is pretty funny but yeah that's 30 that's minutes cool. after that he rolled or he fucking flopped it onto its side he was yeah uh, uh, he didn't look like there's anything there what did he flop on how did he roll so there was like basically one he had like one rock big ass rock underneath the driver rear and then a big ass rock underneath the passenger front so kind of mm. like twist stitching it almost mm. and he uh he's like looking back at me because i was just coming out of the trail and it's like right on the access road it's just like these two big rocks and i was like what are you doing he's like he's like here come try this next and i'm like i'm not come and like because we're like going the other direction the way he was facing i was like we're going mm-hmm. that way and he had his wheels turn passenger and i don't think he like i don't know if he realized that or what uh so he was starting to climb that rock on the under the passenger front tire more and he's mm-hmm. like i think i might he's like watch me roll right here because like if he would have been driver he would just drove like drove out of it and i don't mm-hmm. think he knew and as soon as he let his foot off the brake it started to climb and then it just started going over and he like looks back at me and just grabs onto his harness on his chest and like has like this <laughs> defeated look on his face like god damn it I'm going. <laughs> just onto it. Yeah. was it a nice slow roll or was it a hard hit oh yeah it was just slow right over and then oh, yeah it was pretty like, easy getting, on like on all four wheels right yeah and we flipped him back over and uh but the shitty thing was he was on his side long enough where i was like we we're all pretty sure that the you know cylinder is filled with oil and mm-hmm. so we didn't even try to turn it over and then so we had to like but he was like as soon as we flipped it back over he was only like halfway over if i winched out he would have went back onto his side again so mm-hmm. we had to uh winch to his uh front wheel like go through the rim underneath the front wheel to pull the fucking because he couldn't turn it so he had to pull the steering to the left and then was able to pull him off of it uh and then pull the spark plugs out and it shot a fuck ton of oil all over the place and then start it oh yeah it would have fucking it would have for sure bent a rod or something and then as soon as threw the spark plugs back in and he was cranking it cranking it cranking it cranking it and i was like did you hook everything back up and he's like uh gets out of the truck and he walks over and had the distributor and the igniter unplugged still plug goes back in and it fired right up 
I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> it nice. blew smoke for like the rest of the day, but Sounds like it my started truck. clearing up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mine, mine's steam though. Mine's steam engine. I get that cracked That's head good. gasket. It's Burn just getting worse. Yeah. I thought I was gonna it was gonna get better when I put that uh, K seal or whatever that crap is. I put it in there mm-hmm. thinking, okay, what's the worst that happens? You know, it can't get worse. Well, it, I think it got worse. The benefit is, is that cylinder is going to be clean as fuck now. It is. It is going to be clean. Get but nice. hopefully within the year, I'll have a big, bed, better motor that'll be in place. So that'll be cool. I'm not too worried. That'd I've be just cool. been holding out for the last three years because I know I want an LS swap. So I'm just like holding out like, someday I'm going to do it. Someday I'm going to do it. And now it's actually becoming like a possible realistic thing so you know it sounds a lot like you not buying coilovers because yeah long term and it still hasn't happened (laughs) three years later yeah i don't know (laughs) but the problem is everything i do it just escalates i'm like okay i'm gonna do ls Mm -hmm. and then what i do now it's like okay i'm gonna do the ls and the long travel but now it's not just long travel it's you know kind of got down down the rabbit hole so it just keeps getting worse and worse and i'm kind of scared of what more can happen so i'm trying my best to not go down the rabbit hole any further one other thing that I'll, i want to touch on real quick before we start harassing keith um <laughs> sexually uh we were at a there's a off-road podcast there's a guy up here that does i don't know if you've ever listened to it um they do a toy drive every year which is pretty cool uh they basically do a car or you know, quote unquote car show for off-road rigs and toy drive. Mm -hmm. And they have like flex ramp and all that shit there. And we were fucking around and I went over to the flex ramp and a bunch of people were standing there and I'm like going up the ramp and he's like, Oh, you're teetering. And I look back and like, like obviously I've driven my rig enough. I look back and like, I'm not even close. And I drove like lit. I shit you not like another foot and a half up the ramp. And I still hadn't pulled the rear tire off the ground. And I clicked wow. the guy. He's like, "Well, that's further than I thought you'd make it." And I was like, "What? <laughs> okay." That's awesome. It's always a pleasant like, surprise when you can prove people a little bit wrong when they think that your rig well, sucks. I'm like, I don't know what I don't know what he drove. I don't know anything about. I don't even know what he remember what he looks like. But I was like, "What is that?" It's not a Jeep. You're teetering. Like obviously, I'm going up a flex ramp, so it's you know, our RTI ramp. Yeah. Lame. So, I just. Yeah. Some people what did you score? Did you score any points? I didn't. Did you keep track? I didn't get out at all. I just drove up it and then, then whipped my dick out the window and flung it around and then backed off and called that good. Hope you got some videos of that. I there's probably some somewhere. You know. I'm talking at about least it was, the window. Yeah, yeah. There might be. <laughs> You never know. Cool. Not that you'd have to have a really good zoom lens, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so Keith, now that we're promoting <laughs> your stuff, <laughs> um, so, so tell us about your. How'd you get your start? Uh, Steven. What's your background? Steven, pretty much. All right. Basically, he yeah. broke enough shit, and <laughs> well, you know, I get I met him on the forum on T4R. Okay. And just just about mm-hmm. the time I got my forerunner back for my wife, she had it for I think eight years, and <laughs> and I pulled it in basically to do some maintenance on it, and then um, I, I was going to straighten out the uh, OME lift that was that was on it, and I was doing some research on um, suspension stuff, and then 
ended up on Steven, Steven's threads all the time. And then just started making some stuff to, you know, take care of some gaping holes in the product market for the third gens. And it's, it's yeah, rolled downhill with from the there. PCK. Yeah, pretty That's much. That's how we met the PCK. You started talking about that. And I'm like, this guy's going to just, you know, make this little bracket, you know, super simple little bracket. And then all of a sudden you make this super simple little bracket that's all intricate and fits perfectly and completely covers what you need to, to do. And I was like mind blown when you first 3D printed that PCK kit. Like, what the hell? You think that's this little janky yeah. little bracket, but then it turns out it's like precision fit. Perfect. Yeah, I think so. you were the only person that had, had raised the axle side at that point. Um, at yeah. That I, I could think find. Anyone, that I could find. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I did it, because I initially oh. did the drop bracket, because that's what I was always told. Everyone did a drop bracket. I was like, I'm not going to pay $80 for a piece of metal. So I made my own drop bracket, and I noticed it was a lot of body roll. So I researched, yeah. and I was like, what? why totally are you doing this yeah. backwards? <laughs> right. So, kind of crazy. So you just you know told, how told many, that, Gordon. How many rigs up here I see now? Mostly 120 series, but a lot of third. Like, you look underneath the rear axle, you know, just to see what suspension components are running or whatever and they got a pck on there with that little fucking e in there and i was like this guy's fucking taking over the fucking world with this one bracket yeah. pretty much yeah it's crazy nobody does this stuff for toyotas you know it, like a couple people offer drop brackets because they didn't read enough before they made them i guess um and then you know everybody and their sister does a extended pan hard bar which is also wrong oh my god yeah it's nuts yeah. So and then before we before we dive too deep into that stuff, what is your? You, I assume you have some sort of engineering background or something where you learned all of this stuff. Uh, not really. So I'm a I'm a metal sculptor by training. Okay. Um, and for the last twenty years, I've worked with nine uh, elevens in in race cars and and restoration type thing. Okay. And, um, I'm involved in a product company for um vintage 911 parts so that okay. my product design background is is recent you know and okay. the computer computer skills and all that kind of stuff but it it stems from building 911s so how did you oh, get so into then... building 911s let's back up a little bit because how did you yeah. get into 911s and then how did that become where you're at now into the off-road stuff like how did that all lead uh, into it after so after college I was I was teaching a little bit and um um met somebody over the internet that ran a race shop in Texas and since I could weld um you know ended up getting a job with that guy and it was a 911 shop okay, so, so that was your foot. Literally, did you have any 911 experience before working for that shop or that was your first foot in the door no that was it that, that was pretty much it. I had a, I, you know, I'd come out of college and I bought myself a little 944, you know, oh, okay. and so, so you, le learning how to, yeah, learning how to fix it, you know, on the internet, just like we do with the Toyota stuff. So all yeah, forums yeah. kind of thing. So, and so I guess, yeah, forums yeah. have pretty much led every job I've, I've had, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. For some reason, nice. but yeah. yeah so, and then, you know, so, the, yeah, so then it was building roll cages and then it was campaigning audi race cars and then it was uh i left texas you know and came back uh, to the carolinas and ended up involved in you know over a s sequence of events ended up in you know involved in 9-11 work here so 
Nice. And so what kind of, I don't know if it's something that you like to discuss publicly, because I don't know exactly how your business runs, but you've uh, developed parts for 911s and Porsches and stuff like that, like custom stuff, one-off stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's a little different with the 911s, um, because that's more of a restoration type thing. Mm -hmm. So what I did there, um, you know, Porsche has a rich history of, of factory racing parts that are either obsolete or unobtainable now. Um, mm-hmm. So we decided we could just make them. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you can't find them for the older cars. And about this time, the 911s started, uh, the older ones started gaining in value. Um, mm-hmm. okay. So doing, doing, yeah, doing things historically correct. Um, there was a, there was, a, there was a need for that, you know, mm-hmm. So we kind of came along at the right time. And uh, the stuff that I designed for the 911s looks like something Porsche made back in the day. I mean, it's dimensionally it correct. Era and, correct. Yeah, all that stuff looks looks right. It looks like, you know, it would have come on the car or would have come out of the race department back then. Um, we try to improve the materials if we can, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The, Toyota, the Toyota thing's completely different um, because there's a design freedom there. You know what I mean? That, it, that's purely function. Um, so that's a lot more fun. <laughs> if right. that makes any and sense, then the form, right? form follows function in your, in yes. your designs. Right. Yeah. So it, like with, I would never, the stuff I do for Toyota, I would never do for Porsche. Um, just because mm-hmm. it's, it, it, to market. me, there's, it's an anathema, yeah, an anathema to put it on, uh, you know, something in modern design on, on a historic car. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with sense. the trucks, with the trucks, there's no barrier there. So, um, and the other crazy thing too is, you know, when we started doing the Porsche stuff, nobody was doing that. I mean, a bunch of people made hot rod parts for them, but nobody did anything that, um, was historically correct. It um, looked like it came out of the Porsche race shop or anything like that. Exactly. So when those cars are creeping up to close to a hundred grand, you know, and, and people with pockets are, are modifying them and doing hot rods, they would rather they look like, you know, they look correct. Era specific. And yeah. And I'm all about that. Um, with the Toyota stuff, it people appreciate things that fit, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Especially us welders that uh, actually like to weld stuff on. We don't want to have to modify every single thing, detail of it. Then we would just make our own yeah. shit. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I, I've, I've gone through and on my truck, I bought the you know the standard fare from the the, the larger named companies, and I spend mm-hmm. all my time prepping. You know what I mean? And that, that's no fun. After after twenty years of metalwork on cars, it's, it's it's not fun on Saturday to sit there and modify someone else's part. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. more annoying than ordering something and then like, you know, this should be a couple hour job, you know, weld it together. Like, I'm right. not going to name any companies, um, but there is a company that makes cam tabs for Toyotas, mm-hmm. very well known company. And I don't know how many I've seen that the alignment bolts don't even fit in the openings. And it's well, like, I think that has a lot to do with prep because I did. I've done a couple of those, and it all has to do with prep work to do it right. right. So I well, I, I would say I, that's a, if we're think yeah, we're, all we're talking about the same company. company. Yeah, okay. So spindle mounts, right? I mean, spindle gussets. Yep, mm-hmm. could fit could fit a lot better. I mean, and that, mm-hmm. that's just a little bit of time. So yeah, it, w- with my stuff, I've I've uh, intentionally steered clear of coloring in someone else's box, you know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
but you know, it, about the third or fourth time I install something, I've got to modify it a lot. It, I, I just seem to sit down and draw it, it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus there's so many holes in this market too. Like, it, 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 you know, I'm not that familiar with the, um, fourth gen, fifth gen forerunners. And, you know, I've got some friends mm. that loan me their trucks every once in a while to look at it in the, in the FJCs. Um, but there seems to be a lot of gaps in the product market there as well for oh, reinforcement. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's because mm -hmm. these trucks were too new recently, maybe, and too valuable, and people are just now starting to use them hard. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't have that Probably kind mixed. of it um, seems, background. It seems to be that way because it seems, well, I mean, there's a few things. Like, obviously, the Jeep community has been so big for so long, and there's but if you really look at it, there's a few really good companies that makes aftermarket stuff for Jeeps, like kind of like in your market, that kind of stuff. But there's also, you know, three times as many cheap Chinese manufacturers that make right. similar stuff. So right. a lot of people think the Jeep market, you know, there's a lot more out there, but you really got to watch what you're getting Quality. for that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And especially like, and with the stuff that you're making and if you don't know what keith makes go look at his website it's i'm keith e-i-m keith.com uh and you can kind of see a little bit more about what we're talking about but he, that that the market that you're falling into it's a lot of stuff that guys that have fourth gens and uh fjs and even second gen tacomas and stuff i think like you're saying just started wheeling because it was like they didn't realize how capable they were because, you know, for the longest time, you know, the whole solid axle thing with Jeeps and everything like that. And then right. there's guys that start wheeling or started wheeling fourth gens and second gen Tacomas and FJs. People GX. realizing and the GX and people realizing how capable that they actually are. Um, and mm -hmm. now that the prices come down on them, you're seeing more of them and the you're starting to see even more aftermarket parts available for like an FJ, which hasn't even been in production for the last five years. I mean, obviously most of the 120 series stuff is all the same anyway, but you're starting mm -hmm. to see way more. Uh, I've seen more stuff come out for that platform in the last like year and a half than I had even before that. I mean, I've only had my FJ for three years, but yeah. uh, even, even looking back before I got my FJ researching stuff for it, it's like there wasn't, a lot of market out there especially for the stuff that you're making like obviously there's like the standard spindle gussets and stuff like that but there is never like a lot of stuff too is you're get, once you get past the warranty period is when you start seeing a lot of things open up in the market because people don't want to modify their vehicle when it's in the warranty period they have a new vehicle right. that's why everything's bolt-on if you have a vehicle that's still right. within the warranty period years you're going to find a yeah. lot of bolt-on parts because you can pull that stuff off it's not going to avoid warranty so that's a huge yeah. thing in the market for off-road stuff. But once you get past I, that, I think there's, the value drops, and then people are willing to abuse these vehicles. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think I think a lot of times we don't even know what we need until people start bending them. You know, right? So right. Like the like the like the lower link mount stuff. There were you know a couple of companies making skid plates for them that um, you know were not very not effective, but up to par. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think those companies knew that we needed to reinforce them because nobody was folding them over yet. You know. That, yeah. that kind of thing right so exactly so yeah the more we abuse it the more that we see okay here's, here's right. the weak link because 
yeah, we're finding those weak links. I mean, how many weak links have, you know, I personally found that me and you have talked about over the years. Right. There's yeah, a lot. See, that's, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, my, my whole, and of course the Toyota thing is kind of my side hustle, but that, that whole business is predicated on what you guys break basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you there's probably not, you there's, yeah, there's probably not three days, probably not three continuous days where somebody's not asking me to make something or look at this or whatever, because they, you know, torn it up and that's great so yeah no go ahead on the, on the, i was gonna say on the flip side you know i have steven weld stuff on his truck and if he can't break it it's good to go for the market i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of a test yeah. at me <laughs> <laughs> so, so far so far yeah. i haven't broken anything you made though so that's good yeah and there's some things yeah, that I, I've broken, and then I try to fix it myself, and then I put your stuff on it, and then it's just like, oh, that's all I need to do is contact you. You can make it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's I'm gonna start relying on you a lot more. <laughs> yeah. If you can wait forever for me to, you know, develop it, and get it out. Yeah, good that's thing I wasn't in the market for a bumper. Yeah. No kidding. And then yeah. you know, poor, and then poor Danny, he'll you know, he's he's afraid to wheel his truck because I, I've now lost the files to his parts. You know what so parts was he waiting on? The link reinforcement or the shock reinforcements or yeah, something? Yeah, lower lower shock reinforcements. Yeah, I got a I got a good setup for that, and um and my files have disappeared, and the bin shop doesn't have them either. <laughs> so I've got to gotta go back and rework all that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, some there's some Bermuda Triangle around Danny. Yeah, stay away from that, that guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a, some sort of hex on him. Yeah. Interesting. I have now seen two of your third gen bumpers in person, one completed and one not completed yet. And they uh the fit and finish and just like the whole patch of it looks so good. I'm actually gonna be helping the one that's not finished yet, uh actually welding that up and installing it on his truck. So I'm excited for that because it just looks oh, you're gonna do it? I was like wow. Yes. Oh, well, that's cool. if you have if if you have any questions, please reach out. I've got a, a couple guys that did not do that, and um, <laughs> th they ran into a bunch of a bunch of problems. And then you know, once once they start welding stuff hard, it's uh, you know, it's hard like it detective work to figure out what happened. Right, makes right. sense. Yeah, yeah, because you mess and, up and one fact, thing and, here, and then it, it just escalates to the next piece. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In fact, I'm I'm redesigning the bumper again to try to make it a lot simpler and more, you know, uh, just simple to put together. There's no Makes questions sense. and less measuring for people. I, you know, I looked at sending uh, metric tape measures out with the bumpers, and then I thought, well, maybe I should tab some things and you know, <laughs> right <laughs> instead. Instead, <laughs> so I, I literally did. I, I researched, you know, how cheap can I buy metric tape measures so I can include them with the bumpers. But, um, that is because people weren't measuring things. Yeah. I live fifty percent of my life in metric, so we should uh, hopefully it won't be too difficult. I'll shoot you a message before I actually start on it, and you can yeah get your tips and well, tricks has, about it. He does have instructions on it, a YouTube video well, of instructions. Yeah, I've got some terrible. I have some terrible YouTube videos on it, um, but they, you know, <laughs> at least they I can point to things and say this, stick this to here. You know, yeah. <laughs> measure this yeah. dimension. My, if my favorite then, one you know, have to, was uh, the the uh, the bolts, the oval bolts. Oh, the yeah. ones that <laughs> yeah, 
So I've never even seen those before. I didn't even know those exist. They're like stover nuts, but they're oval. That's how they lock, right? I've never seen you, that you, before. You've never seen yeah, you've never seen that for exhaust and stuff like that? No, not once. Toyota uses never them seen. in the frame. Yeah. So like hmm. with my hardware, I I try to keep it as close to what Toyota uses anyways. Because I figured they they engineer they, their engineering budget's a lot higher than mine. So it, everything's extra, yeah. Everything's extra fine thread and 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 lock nuts and flanged, you know. So if a nut needs to be welded to something, I've got a good flange on there, so you're not overheating the thread, you know, that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of good, well thought out stuff there. Just some people and don't think ahead of time, it, and yeah, some of the stuff that people have done with installing the bumper. Just if you take a step back and look at it, it would totally make sense, but. I don't know. I mean, well, DIY is not for everyone. Well, and yeah, in their defense, you know, the rest of my stuff is ridiculously simple, right? You can't mess it up. And the bumper is a lot more complex than that, even if it's simple for people that build things, you know. Um, There's a bunch. I mean, there are thousands of people out there that have bought my stuff and put, you know, put a bolt through it and then swung it up into position and it fits and they weld it on. And the bumper just is a different animal, you know. Yeah. One thing I, uh on the pck i mean that's like stupid simple i mean you can't get it any more simple than that but we've seen people screw that up <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah wow. I, two times two times though i mean yeah, two that i'm aware of in four years out of I the think. thousands yeah 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 oh it's 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 amazing it's people, are, people yeah people if are you have to creative. modify it with a cutoff wheel yeah you have to be really creative to somehow fit it up into it offset and like it slides over like you don't have to do any work it just slides right over where you need it to go it's like perfect fit if you have to modify you know it that I much think, that's that's impressive if I, if I recall yeah if i recall correctly i think both those situations were where they paid uh like a fab shop to put it on as a matter of fact ah so they didn't know that it fit perfect and i think and i think a, a lot of those guys are used to just banging something on with a hammer and weld it maybe yeah, it could be. Yeah, a, they're like, this so, fits here. That can't be the right side. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it makes too much sense. Nothing we've had fit this well. So let's just chop it up if and move I'm, it over. And Yeah. If I'm ever but, installing something that has, you know, two things to it, like if I'm installing something on the left side that also installing something on the right side, if it goes in super easy on one side, I'm like, the other side's going to fucking suck. And usually, <laughs> nine times out of ten, install on the other side fucking sucks. <laughs> that is very true. I, I have had situations, too, where people are trying to um, install my parts on trucks that were obviously bent, you know, and we've had exchanges over email or something. And finally, I said, send me a picture. And I'm like, dude, that thing is twisted. You know, you can look at the photo and see that, you know. It's odd. So th- there's a lot. It, it, you can't make things simple enough, I don't think, maybe. Well, yeah, yeah and it's like my twenty-year-old truck that I've beat the living fuck out of. It can't right. be bent. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, you know that's so. That was an issue with the uh, bumper too. Um, I, I run a body lift, so I I you know designed the bumper for a body lift. So the first you know uh, fifteen or twenty bumpers that went out were for people that had body lifts. I'm, st- I'm still working actually on the uh, non-body lift installation kit. Right, but um. You know, I had to mount this thing on my truck to learn that once you put a body lift under your truck, if you ha- if you don't measure everything and you tighten it down, the body's now shifted on the frame. 
if it wasn't shifted before from wheeling, which is entirely possible as well. So, and, and, you right. know, I, I don't see that stuff out there on the internet. And I think that, um, you probably don't see it because people are smarter than I build a lot of tolerance into their lumpers, you know, so it fits everything mm -hmm. maybe. But so there's been a lot of, a lot of learning in that way. Um, so that I could advise people that were having issues not, putting stuff on. Not all body lifts are created equal. We found out as well. Yeah. Mine, mine is not this dimension it should be, and an engineer made mine, you know. Surprise. <laughs> what body lift do you recommend for third gens? I, so I don't even make recommendations anymore. I just, <laughs> I, rec I recommend that people get rid of the rubber bushings, you know what I mean? Go to energy suspension or the SS rear mounts or something. And then uh, I, I have people measure the stack height to, from the... Uh, between the body and the 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 puck and the the mount, and verify right. that total dimension before they start putting the bumper on. Because if that's off, yeah. you know, you're cutting a lot more than you need to in, in the fender area and stuff like that. Right. It, mm -hmm. it can be done, but um, it's more work it, than it's you know, worth if you just add a washer. What it's supposed to be, the height right. it's supposed to be, you just add a washer instead. Right. Right. Makes and sense. and that's a you know, and that's that's valid. I know a lot of people don't want to run body lifts or whatever and but um there are situations where you throw a quarter inch spacer in there and be happy you know it's almost a necessity on the third gen to have a one inch body lift well, sure. well, like. yeah so there <laughs> steven and i steven and i go back and forth about that but there's a there are a lot of benefits to that one inch you know what i mean right but yeah like I, I did it i did it because i'm after i'm after and trust me i know a lot of girls that agree with that <laughs> <laughs> just a magic inch yeah so that uh anyway. <laughs> you know i i did it on my truck because i'm after a flat belly um i just you know you look at the bottom of any toyota and it's got an udder on one side that's the gas tank you know and then it's yes. got a bunch of low-hanging fruit everywhere else it's every cross member that doesn't need to be there right and mm -hmm. by going up an inch you can tuck a lot of stuff you know and it's almost would be cool if someone made a way to move the gas tank up also if you didn't want to uh so that yeah the problem with the forerunners I, i've done that on my tacoma so i've got a kit for the first generation right. tacoma to raise the tank two inches so it's flush with the frame another thing i was surprised that nobody had made before now you know i'm sure people have done it on a one-off basis but these larger companies could easily make brackets for this stuff the problem with the forerunner though is that uh unlike the tacoma which the the back of the frame is pretty much bolted together so that everything can be unbolted and moved in terms of cross member. Um, mm -hmm. everything's, everything's welded on the forerunner frames. They were made in Japan and they were fully welded. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of cutting and real fabrication involved to raise the tank on those, even if you have a body right. lens. And you'd almost so, have to be body off frame for that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, or, or, or at least jack the back of the truck up high enough that you can get in there and work. Right. And that's just kind of a that's a deal killer for at least my market. You know? Right. Makes sense. So, um, but you can always go to the F-150 tank in the back, you know? Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Treated me pretty I'm well. A, yeah. I'm going to do, uh, I'll do a kit for you guys too, for the FJCs and stuff. As soon as I get my hands on one. Um, Does the F-150 tank fit back there? Yeah. Just, so there, there's more room back there than there is for us. Really? Even on those short little yeah. FJs? Well, oh, let me, I, I need, I, yeah, I need to measure the FJ, but I'm, I'm pretty sure in the back of the frame, the same as a 410, you got an extra cross member at the back. 
where the bumper ought to be but, and stuff, stuff like that. But the FJ Cruiser yes. is a lot shorter. It's like a two and a half door. Hold on. Let <laughs> they me don't even Google this for me. It, the, the, wheelbase, the wheelbase on an FJ Cruiser is, I think, is a little bit shorter. And then the bumper section is a little bit shorter also. But I believe the, because uh, I don't think the drive line between the fourth gen and the FJs are compatible because I believe the rear oh, axle is moved forward on an FJ uh, than on a fifth, fourth gen, if I remember correctly. And the uh, overall length same of the vehicle. The same lengths? Same lengths on the axle? Same lengths? I believe. Yeah, same lengths. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just everything's yeah, moved forward a, like a couple inches. And then the overall length of the vehicle, like the overhang, the departure angle, is a lot better on an FJ, it looks like, than it is on a fourth gen. I could be wrong. Just yeah. visually, that's what I feel like. There's no spare that was tire the underneath. That's, yeah, that was the trade off for the uh, blind, horrible blind spot, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, then, I, uh, you, what is it? It's so like driving I, a hot tub? <laughs> Who said that? It's. It's like driving, um, like if you like had a battery explode in your face and you went blind from it. Similar, I imagine, to driving like that would be just yeah. completely blind, except out the front windshield. And even yeah. then, it's still like a foot tall. It's not that bad. People just ninety percent of people, I think, don't know how to use their side mirrors, and they're like, "I can't see it in this lane." It's like, did you look in the mirror? <laughs> I right. don't know. It could be it. So. so I need an FJ friend, an FJC friend in North Carolina, and then I can get into this tank issue in the back. Well, like, yeah, if you weren't literally all the way at the other side of the country from where isn't I'm that, at. It, isn't that crazy? I think I've sold, at all the stuff I've sold, I think I may have sold 10 items in the Carolinas. <laughs> How <funny>. Total. <laughs> <laughs> everything everything goes to California. In fact, I ought to I ought to just make stuff in California and ship from there. No, that might be cheaper. Because yeah. I, I can't I mean, control the quality that way, but yeah, right. Or just move if to California. Need, yeah, or move to Washington. Yeah, I, I would consider I would consider Washington. Yeah, come hang out with me up here. Well, does it rain though? Hey, does your guys' yeah, mud make everything rust a lot? Up there in Washington? No. No, it's just regular mud. It's like out here, we have like the uh, Ocotillo Wells. It used to be, it's the Salton Sea. Regular mud. And so it, the mud there is like extremely salty. It's like what, the lake itself is like one of the most saline lakes in the country, I think. And so okay. the mud out there, if you don't wash your shit afterwards, your shit's rusted to fuck. So Guess I always he, wondered like if other people are like that too. There's like two parks up here that might be close enough to like get into saltwater stuff, but no, I mean, and we don't, yeah, we don't, there's like, I mean, two parks and they're not that very good that are towards the coast, but most of our stuff, like we're like three hours inland for most of our, most, most ORV parks are, you know, a couple hundred miles from the coast anyway, so we don't get into any of that. We don't. They don't salt the roads up here in the winter either. They just de-ice them, so you don't run into any of that stuff. Like my truck was before I got it was one owner uh, in Washington and Texas, and it had zero frame rust on it. 
and being nice. in 2008. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I that's why I don't sell anything to the in the Carolinas because they uh, can't weld to rust anyway, right? Uh, some of these guys, some of these guys do though. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I think I think uh, maybe the Carolinas have been wheeling so so much longer that they they've already built their trucks. Uh, perhaps maybe 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 i got a frame rust um funny story i you know the tacoma i bought had a, a replacement frame from to- toyota under the recall the warranty right. yeah and um so the, my understanding is that uh you know dana court made those frames for toyota and they e-coded them all wrong they didn't um they didn't go through the, uh, a good cleaning process after, between welding and, and e-coating or something like that. And so they were literally rusting, you know, from the minute they were made. Well, Dana Corp, of course, I guess, ran out of money to buy buy vehicles back for Toyota. So they just started replacing the frames. And I may have the, some of this a little bit wrong, but I think this is the gist of it. Anyway, so my truck has a replacement Dana Corp frame. You know, good, proud U.S. manufacturing. And right. <laughs> the front front leaf spring hanger on one side is welded in the wrong location, so my truck has a permanent grab situation going down the road. I'm so I, I literally have, yeah, I literally have to cut off uh, my leaf spring mounts and put them in the correct location um, to make the truck track track straight with the factory frame. Just link it. Awesome. Isn't that fun? Yeah, I, I, I might know. link it. I might link both ends on that. No, don't do that. No, <laughs> I might Keith? have an axle for the front. Keith, is that All what right, your sixty-two axle that you're looking for is for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found one a couple days ago. And is that going under the Tacoma? Is that what that's for? Uh, it might, it might, and then the long travel might go under the the third gen. I don't know. I'm still telling you, you I'm... need a solid axle, the Forerunner. Just because I want you to have a cooler Tacoma, because I feel like a Tacoma is a better platform to go fast, lighter. You can get way more up travel because you have bed sides that you can easily just pull out and step tires underneath it. The runners, yep. you have body in the way, you have doors and shit. So yeah. long travel, to, but you don't have long travel stuff out there. Like there's no reason for you to long travel anything on that side of the country. No, not really. I mean, there's no like long whoop sections i mean you can go get to like what 60 and then you have to slow down because there's like a dozen trees in the way I yeah mean, is there any I like mean, go fast guess, areas uh, where you can actually get I'm a sure, high, high speed going for a couple minutes i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's some fire roads that you know you could use it on but not necessary you know otherwise hmm. it's just it's just rocks well, yeah so. i use long travel just in the rocks too but whatever <laughs> Yeah, well, IFS is definitely not for the rocks. Like, if you're if you're only looking to rock crawl, I'm not going to tell you IFS is better because it's not. But it's fun. It's fun to challenge, and it's fun to. Have, it's nice to have like a comfort when you're just doing on fire roads and cruising on the highway. It's nice. But if you're like I've actually got- in an area like me where you have desert and you have some of the, in my opinion, some of the best rock crawling spots in the country is all within like a couple hours of each other. It's really cool to be able to do both. So that's why I try I've to say that. I've, I've actually got more issues with leafs, you know what I mean, than than anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that could be a big thing. Leafs kind of suck. They're hard to tune. And they're expensive they considering. 
Yeah, yeah and, they, they change they, the alignment alignment changes as they work. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah, they're kind of. Really, I mean, it's like yeah. hard to predict too. Yeah, we were like talking, me and Kyle, besides the leafs being easy and like usually bolt on or just welding on some new hangers or whatever, leafs are pretty easy to do, but they're not necessarily cheap because you have to upgrade your shackles, you have to get new leaf packs, and I mean, you're still easily spending, if you want to have like good suspension, you're still easily spending a lot of money on leafs, but links, yeah, you're going to spend more money, but you have something a lot more predictable, a lot stronger yeah. in a way. And it's and it's kind of a one time thing too, right? Yeah. So Leafs, you're gonna you, if you keep the truck for any period of time, you're gonna be replacing them. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. they go. So you know, links. Yeah, especially links if you're running it really are, hard. Yeah, links links a one time thing unless you you know make a pretzel out of it. Yeah, but that's bungs, all you need is a tube and two bungs, or thread the tube. You said bungs. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. Bung holes. Yeah, threaded bung holes. Threaded bung holes. Um, so what, what, what's your, I mean, you have a ton of stuff out now and obviously you don't do this full time. Uh, what's, what do you have planned for the future for your shenanigans? Uh, I just picked up an FJ 80. Um, nice. I'm yeah. doing a couple things. Like six months, doing a, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I bought it with a bad head gasket. It takes me forever to fix something. So, but it's, I've just put that on the road and I'm, you know, I'm doing PCKs for that and a couple things for the front of that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have a handful of suspension stuff for that truck. And then I've got a lot of stuff coming out for the first generation Tacomas still, um, as I modify that truck. And then. Who knows? I'm seeing more Sequoias out there. Nobody does anything for those guys. Um, yeah, that's kind of weird. We've got just big. I've, yeah, I've collected a handful of first gen forerunners. I'm kind of really into those now. Um, and I know everything under the sun's been done for those, but I'm I'm not sure that I couldn't do a better job on some of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I may look at that. You know, uh, that's Agreed. that. You know, I I think that's a great. Um, market for links there if somebody had a, a reasonably priced effective link kit that wasn't very tall i think that mm-hmm. there might be a market there for that stuff i don't know so a lot of a lot of you know ideas floating around i've got i'm working on the front bumper for the third gens um bumpers nice. for the tacoma that kind of stuff are they is the third right. gen and, and tacoma bumpers are they going to be basically the same thing which is a different you know i ch- I tried, I tried, but the, the I, I can't deal with the aesthetics. I mean, it's something that works on one looks, I don't like it on the other one. So probably not. They'll probably gotcha. be two different, two different designs. So I, I really want to get another third gen forerunner just so I can run more of your stuff. Cause I'm about to start chopping off all your stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I don't get to run any <laughs> of your parts. I mean, so I want to get a bumper. I want to get the uh, link skids. I want to do the front bumper when that comes available. I want to just get another third gen forerunner just so I can. And I like third gen forerunners. They're just so comfortable, and I like how small they are, but they're still roomy. There's great jobs. Yeah. Well, you you, you pretty much need one anyways. You don't have a whole lot of third gen forerunner left. Yeah, you? exactly. You're gonna need a whole nother one. Yeah. Yeah. Body so. panels. I need a. Everyone, my dad and my brother, when we went out to the, the desert last trip out, 
they're looking at it and we're set up on top of a hill and then they look at me like your truck is beat to shit it's so <laughs> sad how how beat to shit it is and i was like you know what i have a lot of fun with it though i go out all the time i have a lot of fun right i don't care about body damage too much the only thing that sucks is like well, i was telling them is when i did my long or my links in the rear my four link i miscalculated things where my tire is going to be so i thought before i was almost rubbing my bumper my bumper before i mod- cut it shorter i was almost rubbing it with the stock suspension geometry and so i figured if i'm pushing things back and i'm almost rubbing it, i'm pushing it back three inches and i'm almost rubbing it now i should probably go four inches that way i have enough room well what i didn't take into account is that i'll have no roll steer and my bump my tire is not going to be pushing back at all as it flexes so i cut my bumper back four inches when yeah. I didn't have to cut it at all. So now my bumper looks like shit. So, and I cut my that, wheel yeah, wheels back too to match it. And it just looks like shit. So I need to redo something. That's something. That was tricky doing the rear bumper um, for the third gen too. The, the, Cause the roll, the roll steer, it really affects things, you know, on the, on mm-hmm. the, um, on the arc of the wheel. So making, making that thing fit uh, 37s, uh, you know, I had to, I, I'm setting mine up for four length like yours. Um, but mm-hmm. then I had to go and put all the factory stuff back on it just to make sure I had my clearances were good, you know, <laughs> before I went into production. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff that goes on. Definitely. Makes sense. I just I don't, get impatient. I don't you think, have a lot more patience people... than I do. Oh, I have analysis paralysis, not patience. So analysis, analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the closer, closer I get to being done with something, the slower I go on it, you know, because I'm sure I missed something that happened. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's almost getting away because it just, you know, anytime you hear anyone talk about your products, it's always, you know, good things fit and finish. So it's not if you're not getting the complaints about it and stuff, obviously, then it, you know, you know yeah. that's this. The Toyota market is really very appreciative of small uh, manufacturers. I mean, yeah. it's very different than what I'm used to. All us Japanese mm. fucking Toyota driving motherfuckers or care more about the small uh, manufacturers than other American slash Italian made uh, um, Mexican Italian made Are Mexican they made Italian probably makes sense know, why a lot of American companies are made in Mexico rip off the frame so you were talking in the beginning because this was a huge debate I saw all over the place when you started making the PCK. Everyone's saying, just extend the, just get an adjustable pan hard bar. That's all you need to do. This stuff that he's talking about isn't actually a real thing. And then it was pretty much Steven and a few other people I saw on Facebook going around and actually explaining. Oh, yeah. oh on, the forum? Your, uh, on, that, and on the forum? And on the forum. When we first started it, there was like, 30 pages of first Keith asked like what should we do and he obviously understood what he needs to do but he asked you know what what needs to be done obviously saw that there was a big yeah. gap so he started making his own yeah. but I repeated myself in that thread in so many different yes. ways it is insane no one get it no one got it they don't understand anything about suspension ge- design and geometry even the basics as a roll center they just well, get it. they don't want to read a lot of people don't want to read Stephen. i think is what the problem is like like you answered the same question over and over and over again because they wouldn't go through and read the content of the thread you know mm-hmm. 
So, and what? then uh, our friend Tyler almost went to blows on Facebook over, over it with the GX guys. It was oh yeah, it was kind yeah. Of interesting. I, I specific. <laughs> I am perma banned from GXOR on Facebook because of really? things like this. But yeah, that's all right. I think there's a few I think there's a few beloved vendors out there, and their opinion is. Um, is more fact than fact is sometimes yeah yeah and you have to remember keith that a lot of these vendors out there are started up and these people you know have a ton you know they come from you know manufacturing and designing toothbrushes and stuff and computer software and they have you know they have a very good background in suspension geometry um and their right. opinion and feelings means more to people than fact and math so just you know keep that in mind mm -hmm. when you make it hard. you know how many times i've heard someone say oh my friend he's an engineer and he said this i'm like well your engineer friend obviously doesn't know shit about this topic because that's completely wrong i have a really good friend that's an engineer and he's an electrical engineer and i don't think he knows much about suspension geometry electrical yeah. he bangs shit out for me helps me out makes me feel like an idiot all the time Suspension? Mm -hmm. Nope. Oh, that that reminds <laughs> me. You're a machine. You're a machinist. Depends who's asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking. Yes. Then <laughs> I need to talk to you about some stuff. Then send them that, my way. Yeah, that's r ridiculously hard for me. Uh, anything that I'm doing that requires machining um, just blows the um, the price point. I want to keep things at. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, let me know. So I need to hook up. Is there no FYI. good machina shops in your area, Keith? No, man. I, I live in NASCAR, NASCAR land. We have fantastic machine shops. They, but they know, they know they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Aerospace. Oh. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, of course, anything I do is very, very small potatoes, right? So the price goes up. Starts high, right. goes up there. So. Mm -hmm. Damn. But, That's know. kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, you can't get around it. And I, I'm not, I'm not willing to invest in equipment for that stuff either. You know, yeah, not, for my, CNC, not for my weekend job. CNC machine, the six axis CNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, no, you know. yeah, because those are cheap to <laughs> cheap to feed, right? Yep. Well, one if of the guys I used to work in. with, <laughs> one of the guys I used to work with, he started out with long travel. He started building long travel. And he kind of got into some like structural side gigs. That's how I worked for him. I was welding. It was my first welding job. And I was working for him doing structural stuff. We were doing like these beams, but making these like not I beams, but these beams uh, that would hold up the sides when they're pouring concrete on the sides of the freeways on the big cement walls. We we're make, holding up mm -hmm. these forms. And um, well, he got into this somehow and he realized slowly that off roading stuff isn't really where the money's at and he ended up buying a uh a bunch of machine machining stuff now he's doing like machining stuff for like aerospace he he barely even does off-road stuff like his he, his focus now isn't even that he, he doesn't post much about his side stuff but that's i think where he's making all his money is side stuff like that yeah. for not off-road what well, I think if he's doing aerospace, I think he has to have built-in redundancy too, right? So he they book his machines for so many hours a day, and then he has to have double hours available. You know, I don't know. I don't talk to him. Does that sound right these days? Yeah, yeah so I don't know. So, 
Oh, yeah. so I did leave a lot, a lot of if, time. If you're doing aerospace, that's how that's how it has to be done. I work. We we do a hundred. We're a hundred percent aerospace, but I work in the tool and die side of the machine mm -hmm. shop. So mm -hmm. I don't touch anything production wise. I like I tell people like you guys would know, but I tell people that I make parts that they make parts with. So I will make, you know, I make jigs, fixtures, yeah. uh, dies. Um, and we're talking like, I mean, well, I guess most people don't know where I work. So I guess I can say a little bit, but like we're making some dies that just material is a half a million dollars for the material and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. I worked uh, in uh, aerospace and that stuff is no joke. The cost. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah we, used to, it, we used to throw away parts that were quarter million dollars. Just throw it away just because, yeah. Oh, time ran out. This material is no good anymore. Well, toss it. Yeah. You're not going to like bring in another shift and try to finish it before the material expires. Oh no. Union. It's kind of a pain in the ass to do that. What the fuck? That's why I laughed yeah. too. Cause it was like poor management, but still, crazy the money so what what, mater what material was what what material was it expiring <clears throat> some composite uh, mostly mostly graphite graphite uh, carbon fiber type mm -hmm. stuff uh. mostly that there was some of this uh, i don't even remember we call it we called it glass it's like a, a really thin clear uh final layer that goes over it and it gives us a nice mm -hmm. like polished finish and uh it's clear uh really thin but those are the two materials we work with the most was different types of graphites different weaves and stuff depending on what you're doing but and then we also had like aluminum or uh was it aluminum it might have been aluminum core like a honeycomb we did a lot of that stuff with some weird uh i don't know adhesive stuff that we used so a lot of weird materials but yeah yeah that stuff would expire and one sheet of that would be like we'd have full sheets that are maybe like 16 feet long and four or probably three feet wide and one of those sheets alone is uh, probably $10,000, Yeah, possibly. It's crazy. So, you know, then sometimes we just toss it. They would cut it wrong, and we'd be like, yeah, well, there's this big sheet. And once we peel the, the layer off, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I can't use it anymore. Oh, shit. You don't want to, like, cut it into smaller pieces for other stuff? No, can't use it. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Some of the stuff for the production side of stuff in aerospace gets, you know, stupid like it's our, ta our tax I, dollars at work yeah yeah especially anything government contract it's yeah yeah you know, i did mostly stuff for airbus but our okay. shop did stuff for uh boeing did stuff for um i don't know if we had any lockheed stuff in our shop but we did a lot of stuff i think we did parts for the f-18 the i think that was the last stuff that we had for that but that was all titanium for the most part yeah. yeah, it's a shame. Shame you didn't have the, shame you didn't have the tundra at the time. You could throw in some of that bad aircraft aluminum in the back. You know, oh, the honeycomb yeah. stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yeah we do. Uh, when our there's security. You can't walk out with stuff. Yeah, it's our terrible. biggest uh, contract is uh, a company that makes a major component for something that Lockheed makes. Um, mm -hmm. It makes it go forward. And go faster. Um, Afterburners. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so back nitrous. to the, yeah, nitrous exactly. Back to the <laughs> BCK. Explain a little bit about the geometry 
and what that corrects and everything. So, and why okay, that so over the extended pan hard bar adjustable? Yeah. All right. So, so yeah. So when everybody uh, when they lift these um, trucks with a, a three link or a, a five link or whatever they call it with, with what Toyota setup is the short four link with the pan hard. Um, the axle swings to the at least in the third gen situation it swings to the passenger side of the vehicle right so you've you've raised the you've raised the frame and everything the axle because it's on an arc on the panhard bar it swings it to the passenger side so everybody thinks that the issue there is that their axle is not centered um, which is not really an issue but um, so the aftermarket sells uh, an adjustable panhard bar so that you can you know, unscrew that thing and push your axle back to being centered. Well, the, the problem the problem is that now that your panhard bar is at an angle, when your suspension compresses, the axle swings to the side. Whereas on a stock suspension, if your panhard bar is leveled, um, the uh, panhard the axle shifts back you know, left and right very little over the arc because the middle part of the arc is horizontal. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have very moving. little. The more very you lift little, it, yeah. the more the angle, the more the arc. That's right. And so it, that is exacerbated when you lengthen the panhard bar. So by recentering the axle with a angled panhard bar, you've actually you're actually introducing even more side to side shift. Which that's um, called math for people that don't <laughs> understand. Yeah, there's, there's videos on YouTube and everything, you know. But, Basic geometry. Yeah. <laughs> However, you know, since the majority of companies that, you know, know what they're doing sell an, an adjustable panhard bar, that's the correct solution is, you mm -hmm. know, that's the, that's the common refrain, I guess. Um, it's not. So then there are a couple of companies, you know, they're like, well, oh, the panhard bar needs to be flat. So they drop the axle side. Problem there is it lowers your roll center. We're already talking about lifted vehicles and a lower roll center makes it you know, have a tendency, the body feels like it wants to tip over more because it's pivoting at a lower point. So the uh, angled panhard bar doesn't have that issue because the roll center is at the center of the bar. Um, so it doesn't really change the, the roll center. So from that side, it's, there is a benefit to the angled bar. However, if you just raise the axle side or if you raise the axle side and lower the frame side the same amount, um, in that second situation where you're raising one side, lowering the same same amount, you you're not changed the roll center, so you you're maintaining what you the factory set up. Because if you just the pivot point of the the bar itself still maintains it. In the that's middle. right in the center. Yep, and your level your horizontal bar at that point has the same center point as the angled bar. If you raise just the axle side, you raise the roll center, and that makes your truck feel more stable, which is of course is an advantage once you you know start moving all that mass upwards. So. Mm -hmm. And so on the third gens, I know that you lower the frame side and raise the axle side. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the, re the reason being is because uh, the way that the frame is designed on the third generation, there's only so much overhead clearance above the axle. So and, and where Steven and I got talking years ago on his thread there, uh, I was asking him how far I could push that bracket. You know, he made one. He had a little bit of contact issue, and I was trying to get it as high as possible on that side by reshaping the top of it. Um, mm -hmm. I went as high as you how high as you can go on stock bump stops and and not have contact with the with the frame itself. Um, that but yeah, that that only gives us a little over two inches of lift, right? Um, nobody but me only runs two inches of lift. Everybody else runs three, four, five. Right. So mm -hmm. I had to had to lower the other side, you know, for the majority of the people in the third gen market. 
Now, when I went to the, when I did the fourth gen, fifth and FJAC, GX, um, when I did that bracket, the Toyota reshaped their frame to have a lot more overhead clearance. Um, so I can go up to three and a half inches on the top hole on the oh, actual cool. side. Uh, I actually designed a drop bracket for the frame side, but nobody's needed it. You know, so I was get, there's an extra inch to be get, had, you know what I mean, on the frame side. Um, but nobody's really needed it yet, so I've never put I mean, it in yeah, I only run two and a half inches in the rear, so. Yeah. Like, that's so, more than enough ride height, it seems like. Yeah, if you're going yeah. any higher, you're doing it wrong. If you're going higher than what that kit allows, you're probably going too high of a lift. You shouldn't be going that high. No. And if you're going any higher, your link in your suspension geometry is already fucked. So yeah, yeah no point. Right being, at that point, you, know, you need tripping much, over pennies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of issues at play. The other thing too that I, I thought was interesting is, um, you know, in, in a lot of the race car world, everything is adjustable and selectable. You know, in terms of brackets. And um, so I made my PCKs where you can use the factory hole, you can use this height, this height, this height. You know, so everything it was kind of selectable. I'm not seeing a whole lot of that in the off-road world, which maybe I'm not looking in the right place, but that's that was surprising to me. You Have know? you noticed any with the PCK? Because I've had a few people that just don't know, so they've asked, you know, a group of people, you know, what their opinion and what they think. Because you're essentially, from at least from what I can see from the PCK, because I've never actually installed one, which I need to install one, but uh, that you're essentially butt joint welding that together and people worry about the strength on that versus yes. like if you had a gusset or right so you know there i've had people that have you know lapped a piece of steel over it and reinforced it all that kind of stuff and what i tell them there it, normally i'd agree with them you know if it was a flat butt joint that was horizontal yeah you'd have a lot of um you're, you're putting a lot of faith in the weld however toyota contoured that bracket so much so heavily and, you know, I go around three sides and it goes up and down and all that kind of stuff. So you have a lot of, um, I mean, you're in shear in a lot of different directions and, um, and, and you're not, not in others. Sense. Yeah. So I've never seen it as an issue in terms of any, any way you can apply a force through that panhard bar. Um, uh, there's something counteracting it in, in terms of the mechanical shape. <laughs> And now there, so. a lot of it has to do with weld quality because I think the overall strength itself, if you have a, even a decent weld based on what we were talking about, the surface area, the forces on different angles of that curvature, obviously it's going right. to cause it, it to hold pretty well. But people are super shitty at welding. Have you ever heard of someone ripping off from serious abuse and no. super shitty welds? Not yet. Yeah. So that yeah, just no, kind of goes I to show to. that it's really not much. I've never seen it. And it just goes to show that even people that suck ass at welding, which there's a ton of them, they're still not right. even having problems. So if you have a comp, you know, a competent welder that actually knows what they're doing, then I don't think that would ever be a problem. You're going to run into so other issues before that. Yeah. So you see the same things in roll cage design, right? So if you have mm -hmm. a good, if you have um, tubes that meet at nodes, so that they're they have a mechanical transfer of, of forces into another tube, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Right. Um, mm -hmm. you're not relying on the weld quality of the cage so much as, as the mechanical strength of the cage. And, um, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot, you, I'm sure you've seen it too, Stephen, that a lot of cage work where, uh, tubes just don't, they don't fit well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And hundred yeah. percent of your faith at that point is on the weld quality. Um, right. You, you just, uh, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot to be said for mechanical, you know, <laughs> advantage. So, yeah, that makes sense. Cause I said, 
to try to break it down so other people can understand it. If you look at the, especially the axle side, because it's so easy to look at and see, um, there's a lot of level change throughout that and different angles um, on the bracket and on the factory mount. So if you were to cut that flat and the bracket be cut flat and weld those, you know, so both the bracket and the correction are mounted on the same plane, you could have weakness there versus since it, the, right. the, the weld season and it's and it's less well too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think a lot of people are coming they've they've read a little bit about um slicing frames or welding frames. Right. Um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe and didn't understand um exactly you know, so uh, obviously, you know, when you're welding a frame you kinda wanna cut that thing on an angle if you can to get you know, as as much weld and weld. then you probably want to yeah, and you fish plated or whatever, and I, I think they're taking those that extreme example maybe, and they're conflating it with this very very small bracket, which has a lot of weld, you know, per, you know, ratio. A lot of weld, and then the, the force itself isn't anything super substantial. Right, it definitely yeah, is force, but it's not from not the same. Yeah, from what you're seeing from that PCK to you know notching or extending a frame or something like that isn't yeah. even comparable mm-hmm. yeah and then you know i've got i'm friends with people that build you know street rods and that they're well known and and a lot of those guys when they're now we're not talking about heavy heavy truck frames but when they're building frames they do straight cuts yeah of course their what mm-hmm. their welding is you know impeccable you know what i mean but um still so uh, uh, there's a it's good to be concerned about those things uh real world I haven't seen any issues yet. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I seen one. I remember when we first talked about it, when you first did it, I even asked that question and you came back and responded to it. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense because it's not just, yeah. you know, this little straight yeah. line of a well. You're going to have a lot more. Yeah, and I, I, and, and I don't want to sound glib about it because I'm I'm risk averse, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. I try to make everything where it self-locates and it's going to be mm-hmm. overly strong. Uh, my, my stuff is usually heavier than it needs to be. Uh, for that mm-hmm. reason, but. makes sense. Yeah, you I make everything out of three sixteenths, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> Steven. Any any time I'm running something by Steven, he wants me to up it up it one size plate. Like, <laughs> you're making that a half inch, right? You're like, yeah. Like, so I've got I've got stuff. <laughs> yeah, I I got stuff that's just not bendable in three sixteenths. And Steven's like, I just you know what. Leave three, I got to go to 10 gauge on that stuff, you know. Yeah, no, you definitely swayed me because for a long time I was thinking, okay, you know, depending on what we're doing, most of the stuff we were talking about was like something that's going to see a lot of abuse. So I was always thinking, all right, we need to have it thick and strong so it could take abuse. So, but yeah, you've yeah. definitely changed my way of thinking over the years of just, it's all about how it's designed. It doesn't necessarily have to be thick. If you design it properly, it can be a lot thinner and still take a ton of abuse. You just got to make sure it's got, you know, and a lot of it has too has to do with another reason I'm saying three sixteenths is if it, you go too thin on something, some people can't know, don't know how to freaking weld on something thin. They just burn through it or they just do super shitty yeah. welds. So if you give something where people can turn up the heat, you know, they don't have to have right. great welds. They could just burn super deep into it. And you know, kind of depends on what it is. But yeah, don't do everything yeah. three sixteenths. <laughs> you know, um, 
that reminds me, I've got a, there's, there's a bumper that you and I have talked about, um, that came out recently that, um, is remarkably similar mm-hmm. to another bumper. And, um, that uses a scan that's, uh, less than three sixteenths. Keep weight down, which I think is, um, mm-hmm. an interesting choice. Interesting less choice. And three sixteenths. Yeah. Is it eighth inch yeah. or is it? Anything? I think it's closer to 10 gauge, 10 gauge, which is what I use in the smaller mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. But I, it, I meant I meant to send you a link on that when I when I realized it because that that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, not something you see very often. Usually, three sixteenths is your go to for armor. Something that you're going to be smashing yeah. on rocks and stuff. And then you, you want something that's going to yeah. have some resistance to deform. You, you know, know have... it, it, in in his defense, you know, we're we're dealing with different markets too. So I, I you know, I make my stuff for guys like Stephen, basically. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and guys that guys that go, guys that go camping can use it. That's great. You know that that's terrific. Um, but it's like it, it, my stuff's gonna be high clearance. It's gonna be bang proof. You know, mm-hmm. it yeah. might be a little heavy, heavier than it needs to be or something. But you know, I there's certain areas that I you know I'm pretty anti extra weight. But like I tell people, it's like if you have extra weight from bumpers, sliders, skids. Uh, links, axle reinforcements, anything armor related, that's mm-hmm. acceptable weight. It's when you start getting weight from, you know, the rooftop tents, rooftop tents and bed racks and swing random outs. swing outs and shit that you don't need. That's where I'm like, did you really need, that's the extra weight that I'm talking about. Cause like people say, yeah. I will say anti front or anti weight and they'll be like, but your front bumper weighs 125 pounds. Yeah, but like, you, you keep it you keep it tight, right? You try to keep it as centralized as possible. And yeah, exactly. I, I see I see people asking what the weight is on skid plates, and I'm like, it's the, the one place in your vehicle you want the weight. <laughs> it's yeah, slow Super and yeah. center. Yeah. So yeah, that's the least. And, and then I, yeah, and I see a lot of people like I was since I'm looking at the Tacoma stuff, I'm I'm seeing frame failures, right? Um, uh, from people running swing outs on the back of their Tacoma beds. I believe. Um, that's yeah, and it, it and it's yeah, and it's warping the frame uh, where it, under the cab, basically. You know, and people are having some issues there, um, but that's a lot of lever. You know, it's a lot of weight way out there. Um, oh, it's buckling or it's causing issues all the way in front of the axle. Where, where you're it's, correct, it's right? Cha- it's, it's channel. Yeah. It's not box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff's channel. I mean, they they make a reinforcement kit to go to the outside. I'm, I'm making a box kit for the inside, but I'm thinking about putting a. Um, uh, gusset across the top too. That's you know about a foot long, in the S curve. Oh. You know what I mean. Okay. But uh, then again, I also bob my truck, so I'll never have an issue with weight hanging way out the back. Um, right. But I, mm-hmm. I, wor- I worry about that with a lot of the uh, overlanding stuff. Um, these guys are uh, some of these guys are putting a lot of weight way, way, way back. You know, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm just wondering at what point the frame starts to suffer in front of the Nothing. axle on this stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. even my a good friend of mine has a, uh, it's, we call them the twins. It's same color FJs. It's, they look almost exactly the same, but he has a metal tech swing out on his. And I just have my tire mounted to my door. And then I have my plastic bumper cut up above the frame and cross member. So I just use that as my bumper. And the difference when he's like on climbs and stuff, cause it moves the tire uh... up on the door and move yeah. it so it moves his moves the tire up i don't know probably eight inches and then completely over to one side 
it moves it further away from the door and it moves all the x bumper weights like 250 pounds or something like that um so all of that added weight back there even on steep climbs and stuff where i can i my front end stays a lot more planted than his mm -hmm. does um just and i have to assume there's some suspension differences and stuff but you know with all yeah, of that no. your weight back there it has to make a difference i'm sure i'm sure oh, yeah. you're right about that this is this is why i have analysis paralysis and i don't sleep at night when i'm designing something right <laughs> <laughs> you can't i mean it's impossible to overthink this stuff i think right Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, so I even I moved here. my battery. My battery is you know it's only like forty pounds or whatever, forty five pounds, <clears throat> but it was in the very front, the very front edge of my vehicle, and now it's yeah. right above the axle. And I noticed a pretty significant difference on the way the front yeah. end feels now, and even how the weight, the rear end feels weight wise. Because I was running those JL coils, which are really soft, and I was only getting about I don't know two inches of lift. But when I moved the battery and I did the engine cage and cut stuff out, the, the front end probably stayed very similar to the same weight, you know, because I added more material, but then I cut off all the sheet metal. Um, right. It stayed pretty close to the same, but I moved my winch back probably, what, five inches or so, and I moved my battery to the rear. Well, that whole change totally changed things. I had to put my uh, eight wraps back in to give me more lift because... Instead of having all that weight leveraged on the front, now it's in the back. And it just, it's crazy. Just that 45 pounds moving it from one extreme to the other makes right. a huge difference. So I run same a thing with that huge, huge uh, uh, tire swing out. Yeah. I run an Odyssey 31. So it's like an 80 pound battery. It's way overkill. Uh, mm -hmm. And factory FJs, it's right behind the driver's side headlight. Um, so obviously the driver's side lean on those is an issue already. But when I cut my fender wells out, the whole goal was to move that to the passenger side and up against the firewall. So then I could move mm. stuff on the driver's side and then cut that fender well out. And when I moved the battery from that side, now I guess you could you could probably call it a 160 pound weight transfer because you're taking it off one side and adding it to the other. Like, right. Mm -hmm suspension wise which is hard for some people to understand i think uh when i moved it you know i probably from the front of the engine bay to the back of the engine bay and then i moved it to the opposite side uh it changed drastically like i actually had to i had was able to lower the uh driver's side coilover which took some of the lean out of it and then on-road driving characteristics, just moving that 80 pounds three feet back towards the center of the vehicle changed everything mm -hmm. drastically. Like it doesn't, wow. the, the front end doesn't feel as lazy. And like when you're going into corners, especially turning, you know, to the right where it's leaning to the body's leaning to the left with that battery out in the front of the truck, moving it back made a huge difference. Just that, you know, moving it, you know, three feet you know 80 yeah. pounds Keith, you probably know this quite a bit you probably deal with it but people in the in the race car you know scene they're always moving stuff to the you know towards yeah. the rear to help give the weight i mean yours you guys have the engine in the rear and what you you do but um people do that yes. all the time they so move yes. it to a lower yes more central yeah, point you try to put yeah try to get it center centered and behind the front axle you know if possible mm -hmm. get that weight there yeah, most oh, yeah. guys in the pro drift circuit, I don't know if you've looked at those cars very closely, Steven, but basically uh -huh. everything is from the front of the motor, so like where the motor ends, to 
above the rear axles. Everything is in there. Like the radiator uh, fuels, like the fuel cells just behind the rear axle because whatever the FD rule is, it has to be a certain distance behind the rear axle. Um, Mm -hmm. But anything else cooling related, all of it is right on top of the rear axle. And then, so basically from the rear axle to the back of the car is just like skeleton tube work. And then from the front of the motor forward, and they're running like like 50.2% front weight. And then, you know. Wow. So they're That's almost crazy. running a 50-50 a split. That's how they try to yeah. set the cars up. And like with the front and rear bodies off the car, they look so short just because of they're trying to keep everything inside of that wheelbase. Yeah. Yeah, reduce the pendulum effect. I always would have thought that there would be less weight in the rear so you could just basically drag ass and not have as much traction, but I guess exactly. I never thought about it. Well, and these guys are running like an inch and a quarter a toe in, and then uh, they'll run, depending on the car and like the setup, but they'll run, you know, a few degrees of positive camber. And then so when the car is completely squatted, uh, like when they're digging out of corners and stuff, there's like almost no toe and then camber's almost zero, so they're getting 100% contact of the tire. And that way, you know, so they have as much side and forward bite as they can. And then they go from, you know, when they transition, when they lift, it kind of almost creates like a snapping effect because they start, they quickly lose that traction, and then they can get grip again uh, uh, when they start digging out the next corner. Yep. Hmm. Crazy. So, yeah, it's totally different different uh stuff than what we're used to on our side yeah yeah keeping i think yeah that pendulum effect even on what we do keeping the weight as close to inside Mm -hmm. the axles it seems like or between the axles it seems like it's the best bet but but something that you see a lot too is like in the pre-runner scene though they put a ton of weight behind the axles they put their fuel cell back there and they put the spare tires on top of the fuel cell they're running way rear weight bias. And I think that's, I mean, that's the, the pre-runner stuff, not necessarily the trophy trucks or the uh, the other Baja stuff. But even though, like a class 10, they're running a rear engine, you know, hanging way off the back. It keeps the front end light. So again, it's just like a total different yeah. world depending on what you're doing. It seems, and I wonder if they do that to try to get away from like, you know, front end dive and stuff like that. So if they're totally. on throttle and you know because you're and taking hard on the front yeah having the rear weight helpful traction because on a truck i mean what is there in the rear there is nothing that's why I like nothing. my wife was driving my tundra and she, it was raining outside and she came around the corner and gave it a little bit of gas and she almost spun out because there's no nothing <laughs> keeping the rear end on the ground in a truck like that so a pre-runner you got to have there is no rear weight so you have to put more right. stuff back there help bias it out. And I've noticed that when I did like my spare tire in the back, I moved my battery in the back. I have my, my gas tank tank behind the back. They're all behind the axle. And uh, well, maybe not the battery, it's right above. But all that weight in the back, it drives totally different than a stock 4Runner with the weight know, in the regular spots. So it definitely helps a little bit. But I have to tune my suspension to be able to handle that difference now. But my shocks are fucked. So, yeah, it's a whole other thing. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, well we're like minutes right. into this. <laughs> yep. So, any uh, anything else we want to bring up before we call it quits and say bye? No. No, I don't Who? think so. 
Any of us. I thought he was three of us here. Keith? Uh, yeah, I want to sh- say hi to Tyler. <laughs> hi, Tyler. Which one? <laughs> hi, Tyler. <laughs> T- Tyler's, Tyler's the third leg of our, um, our trifecta. Uh, think tank. Me, me, me oh, okay. Keith, and Tyler are always ty- basically any idea, or at least me, pretty much any idea that I have, I always run it by them. Yeah. Because Makes Tyler sense. is the guy that is very into form. I mean, he likes the function, he's totally into the function. But he's very good at seeing the form side of things, making sure things like look good and are well thought out. Keith obviously yeah, is he's just OE, his, OEM his, plus. Yeah, he's OEM plus. Keith is he knows how to make his function and then form follows it very well. And then I'm over here just picking their brains because I have no fucking clue what I'm doing, but I'm learning. So even a hundred percent function, and he's like, I don't give a fuck what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> then we and then we have. Then we have three wives that wonder what the hell's going on on the phone. It's so interesting all day. Yeah. Yeah. My wife always says, Oh, are you talking to your boyfriends again? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Makes sense. Yeah. That's how we get it done, though. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm definitely going to uh, basically everything. Both of your brains about the F 150 tank thing because I'm pretty much sick of my fuel tank where it's at. Um, well, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, find a, I'll find one to measure around here. Yeah, I'm sure we can well, do it. Have, concerned about it. You can always have Trevor measure and send you measurements on what you need. Yeah, but, anything that you need, you can let me know, and I can try to get you what you want. Yeah. I know it's easier if you obviously have it in your hands to, you know, get, get exactly basics, what you're looking for. But yeah, well, um, we'll use te- so. we'll use technology. We'll get it done. Sounds good. All right. All right. Uh, check yep. out I'm Keith on Instagram and on his website. Uh, he's got a lot of good stuff there. Support it, buy his stuff. Um, Appreciate it. Remember, I'm Keith no. is E I M Keith. Yep. I mean, you don't see it on the name of this show, but yeah, know, that's that's how to find him. Look out for that, Lily. We're definitely gonna have to have you back on because we have this tendency to have guests on like you or uh, well even when Wheel of Weekend was on and when we had Curtis on, where we end up talking about random shit and not actually the technicals mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so we'll definitely have you back on soon to talk, dive more into the technical stuff. But now that people actually know what we're talking about. And Stephen and I have literally no idea what we're doing when it comes to podcasting. No, um, we're just two guys talking. This. Yep. So it's basically a phone call between the three of us. You guys get to listen in on it if you don't like that. Um, you can go listen to another podcast. I don't really care. Uh, you listen to eight minutes thank- of advertising on Joe Rogan. Yep. I was just going to say quick thanks to our sponsors. Um, and uh, that's it. Now we can uh, roll to the end of the show. So I appreciate everyone being on, listening. Uh, but we do work on day- shout outs. We do, we we do, do get paid on shout outs. So if you want to give yes. us a shout out, you know, yep. that, we make a lot of money doing that. We all yes. we, not money. We make a lot of shout outs. That's the goal. Yep. That's how we pay for things. And if, as our if you have come. Exactly. Can I, can I get you to shout out to Tyler then? Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Tyler. What's his, what's his, what's his, does he have Instagram? I don't even fucking think I know who you guys are talking about. What are, what are we That's trying to shout out to him for? Are we just saying, hey, yeah, hey Tyler, he, shout out. Hi, Tyler. Shout out. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> He's going to get kicked out of that. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. Well, I think that's good. I have some shit to do anyway, so let's wrap this bad boy up. 
All right. If you guys have complaints about the podcast, ask Ferns on Instagram. Send them to Steven. If you like what we're doing, go ahead and praise me at Team Broverland. Um, if you have questions also go on the about, forum, you can go on the forum yep. on ifsoffroad.com. Go on there. There's a thread. You can talk shit or suggestions or whatever feedback. Go there. That way, everyone can see it, and we can, you know. Talk when Steven it. calls his friends a pussies for bailing, they get butt hurt on that thread. So you can check that out. Um, a lot of butt hurt. A lot of butt hurt. Uh, if you have technical questions, do not ask me. Um, you can kind of ask Steven, I suppose. Direct those to <laughs> Keith, especially about his own products. Uh, and uh, yeah, because <laughs> I've got questions asked before, like, what about this from expect about these products i was like i don't know message him on instagram see what he has to say uh right i i didn't make it so anyway guys it was good we will uh be back at this next week so stay tuned all right thanks a lot thanks keith yep thanks